Welcome to the Yogi MD podcast. It's Nadine, yoga teacher, health coach, and retired doctor, here to bring you and your body together, not in sickness, but in health. Thanks for taking this time for yourself. This is a very special follow-up episode. In episode 11, Leslie first spoke about how she and her husband, Eddie, changed their health habits after Eddie was diagnosed with terminal prostate cancer approximately 10 years ago. They became dedicated to regular exercise, veganism, appreciating nature, and practicing daily gratitude for time with each other and time with family. This interview was recorded about six weeks after Eddie passed away. Leslie, a self-professed type A personality, wanted to share her reflections on grieving. As a person who was so sure that all I had to do was make a choice to be what I wanted to be, that I could do that. And now, I can't. And it's the realization that any, whatever it is that can break you is also humbling. You're humbled by, I can't will myself. I can't make myself. I can't be that strong. We value that in this society. Mm -hmm. We value, oh look, you had this adversarial thing happen to you and look how I stood up and look what I did and look how I beat it and and look um, what I what I can do if I make up my mind to do it until you're broken. And then you're like, hmm, I got up this morning. I, I got dressed. Maybe that's what I did for the day. I got dressed. Tell me how you feel that this is different when you say that before you felt like you could will yourself to do things and that you had a choice, and how has that changed now since you've lost it? So we live in a society that, um, and you know, I was a quadruple A personality. Mm -hmm. I thought all I had to do was make up my mind, and all I had to do was... um, set my goal and 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 analyze whatever was going on and there was a path so give a concrete example of say a difficult situation where you really had to rely upon that grit as you're saying so i'll use eddie as an example when he was first diagnosed that it was terminal uh you know i thought well i'm going to research i'm going to research his this illness and I'm going to find out what are the things we can do to help ourselves and, you know, we can change our diet and we can exercise and we can, oh my gosh, here's my favorite, here's my personal favorite, we can have a positive attitude and then everything will be just good. And you know what? So it was, right? It was for a very long time. And then he got very, very sick. And I'd say I was pretty good. I'd say it didn't really hit me till after he died. Then it hit me like a ton of bricks. You can't will your way through everything. 
You、mm. can do all the quote unquote right things. And maybe, and maybe it's like Eddie, and it helps for 10 years, and then one day the disease takes over. And now it doesn't help. I can tell you this the most important thing that anybody needs as they're getting towards the end is simply that you're there. So I stayed at the hospital for the whole six and a half weeks. I never went home. I lived in the chair. And he was so frightened because, you know, you can prepare yourself for.、Uh, One thing, but you can't prepare yourself for everything that's going wrong. My, my heart doesn't work, my breath doesn't work.、Um, uh, but whoops, now you got a kidney stone. And what do you do for a kidney stone?、Uh, you drink water. Well, you can't drink water because now your lungs are going to have a problem. So、mm. now you're going to pass a dry kidney stone. What brought him into the hospital for the last six and a half weeks?、Uh, so he had a stroke in October. He did very well in rehab and everything, but then in December, he got a, a lung infection. And、uh, we went in, they gave us medicine, they,、um, they sent us back home and said, Oh, it's just a little infection, not pneumonia.、Uh, within two weeks, we were back. It was、uh, way worse, and he never went home again. There were all these new experiences and new. New problems coming, and there is no time to research it. There is no time to、um, think what's the best thing to do. You're just reacting to what's the emergency in this moment. Do you think that it's possible to prepare for these scenarios at the end? Probably not because you know, we are so, I'll speak for ourselves, we were so invested in hope. And hope is a wonderful thing. It is a wonderful thing. It allows you to do all the rest I'm talking about, to believe that if I just do this or if I just do that. And you know what? Didn't it work for him for 10 years?、Mm-hmm. It worked for him for 10 years.、Mm-hmm. But when, when your body can't do it anymore, broken, it's broken. Besides a lot of conversations around being proactive and living life to its fullest and being in the moment and, and being, feeling blessed for each and every day, did you have the difficult conversations of what it might be like or what would happen, what kind of decisions that you would make together when the time did come near the end? We've had, we had. Many, many difficult conversations.、Mm. So, so, you know, for me, I guess I always thought we know he has terminal cancer, and you know, what's probably going to happen is it'll spread, and、um, maybe he'll get pneumonia, and he won't be able to fight that off. And never in a million years did we dream that where there would be、um, issues with oxygen. and And his heart and infections in his lungs that would cause them to drain a liter and a half of infection, or, or passing dry kidney stones, or, or the fact that the cancer spread to the nerve endings and shot down his leg. There's so many scenarios that you could not have imagined that it would become that. You have to honor their wishes. 
and he wanted, and you know, we were in the VA, that's a teaching hospital. Mm -hmm. Be careful, mm. be careful. Teaching hospitals will go on and on and on for as long as you'll let them mm. because they're learning. And you know, um, and Eddie believed that if he just did everything they told him to do, he would live. He did believe that. Did the doctors and the other medical staff educate you about possible end-of-life scenarios? No. No. I went, to, I went to one of the doctors and I said to him, realistically, with everything that we're dealing with, what are we looking at? And he said, right now, I think 50-50, 50 that he could live, 50 that he won't. And I said to him, I don't think I agree with that assessment. And uh, he said, uh, he told me not, not to give up hope. And um, did he know your history? Because for the audience, this was not the first time you'd had a scare. Oh, no, this was the third time. He actually was supposed to not live until Christmas of 2011. And he was not supposed to live uh, August of 2016. We were told to go home and get hospice. So had we been to the door before, mm -hmm. yes, mm -hmm. but not like this. Mm -hmm. It's very frightening when every time you turn around, there's a new group of doctors in here mm. wanting to analyze. And you know, each, each group of doctors cares about their section. Oh, these are your lungs? I'm here for your lungs. Oh, I'm here for your heart. Oh, I'm here for your kidney. Oh, I'm here for your stroke. Oh, I'm here for the cancer. It's all different doctors. It's not a doctor. What was overwhelming about that experience? That it was very hard to get an overview mm -hmm. of the reality of mm -hmm. what was happening. Mm -hmm. What's the bigger picture so that you can make rational decisions for what is it necessary to do to him because he's in horrific pain. And it's incredibly hard to watch someone you love suffer like that. Mm. I used to ask him every morning. I used to take his face in my hands and I used to say to him every morning, we don't have to do this. You don't have to do this. If you decide right now in this moment that you don't want to do this, you don't have to do this. And if you decide that you want to, then that's what we're doing, because you want to. And every day he'd say to me, no, I want to. It was exceptionally hard, because usually whatever it is he wanted to do meant more pain. Mm. When did he change his mind? I did it. Mm. I could see that this was going nowhere. He was weaker and weaker, and um, uh, and kudos, kudos to the hospital. They gave me such leeway. They let me take care of him. I needed to take care of him. I was watching him go through hell. And he just kept believing that if he did it, he'd be better. And at one point, he's so weak. And it's Sunday, next day is Martin Luther King's birthday. And I said to Eddie, because he didn't, when we would talk about hospice, um, that wasn't part of his mode. His mode was, I'm in the fight mode. Mm. I want to live mode. But he knew, he knew he was getting weaker and sicker. Mm -hmm. And uh, I asked to speak to a hospice doctor. 
we had quite the conversation about the end of life mm-hmm. and what's valuable. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we live in a society that is all put out about who's going to take care of who because it's interrupting our lives. Mm-hmm. And so we have this idea that, mm-hmm. oh, I don't want to take care of somebody because, you know, I got my life to live and I, uh, I, 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 I. And I said to this hospice doctor, what an honor it is to be able to be with someone in that time of life when you know you're leaving everything. I mean, I know how I feel. Can you imagine how it feels to be that person? No. They're leaving everything they ever loved. Everything they ever loved. They're losing it. You're losing it, but you're staying here. To tell somebody how much they love how much you love them, how much they meant to your life. Anyway, so I, after I talked to the hospice doctor, and Eddie was aware of it. I mean, he knew. I, I never did anything without talking to him mm-hmm. first. And I said to him, what do you really want? What do you really, really want? And he said, I want to go home. Mm. And I said, that home is where we're going. His exact words were, uh, don't feel bad. I've had the best life. Mm. I've had the best life. His exact words were, I had the best life full of joy and love. And you're, you're on one level aware of it, and on another level, we can't take it in. Mm. Can't take it in. Uh, Wednesday, which was the first full day he was home and the hospice is here. My kids, God bless my kids. They never left. So, uh, what I also didn't know is if you choose home hospice and it comes time to give them uh, morphine, uh, the home hospice nurse doesn't do it, you do it. If you're in the hospital, the nurses do it. If you're home, they're not allowed to do it. And so that was a shock to me. That was a complete shock to me. Oh my. I love what my daughter said. After this was all said and done, she said, Mom, can't unsee what I saw. Forever changed. Hmm. Forever changed. Because to watch someone suffer like that, it's beyond your comprehension. It's not what we think of when we think of death. We think we're tired and we go to sleep. We never dream it's this. So anyway, the next morning, I get up. He doesn't look right. I go down to the nurse. I slept right next to him. Uh, and, and I was giving this to him every so many hours to keep him calm. And then he died. What I think of now is I feel broken because I can barely function. And when I listen to this whole idea of what we have, that if we just try or if we just um, decide or we just make a choice or if we look at the positive, if we, all the things that we like to say, that's what we value in this society. 
I'm broken, but I'm not less than anybody who can do that. Mm. I'm not less than. Well, may I ask you this? Do you think that it's simply more difficult to talk about or to be vulnerable to the pain and to admit that you don't have hope or you can't or you feel broken? So I think something can come along in life. For me, it's losing my husband of almost 50 years. For someone else, it's something else. Mm. All I'm saying is if you find yourself where you, you are suddenly that fragile and that incapable of helping yourself, so what? Isn't it okay? So uh, I, I, I struggle. I, I have gotten up every day since he died. I've gotten dressed. Uh, that's a big deal. For anybody who's been in this position, uh, it's a big deal. I try to do something every day. And I'm here to tell you that I have um, PTSD from how he died. Of course. I see it all the time. I was sitting in traffic, and I was at a red light. I don't know what triggered it. All of a sudden, I saw it. All I did was pull off into a parking lot. Am I in therapy? You betcha. Um, the other thing I had that I never dreamed that I'd have, I had full-fledged panic attacks. I mean full-fledged panic attacks where I couldn't breathe, where I, I literally thought I was having a heart attack. And so I had to make a choice to go on drugs. It's not something I ever would have dreamed that I would do. But you know what? Something's different now. And what's Something's wrong with different. No, what's and that's what I'm saying. Out? But that's what I'm saying. So you had this um, preconception of who you were. Mm. And all of a sudden, guess what? You're not that anymore. Mm. And what do you do with where you are now? And, and I guess all I'm trying to say is that it doesn't really matter what the circumstances are that make you feel broken only to know that it's okay and you'll find your way and maybe just maybe we won't judge, judge each other so harshly mm. and I wonder and I have wondered about this it's such a personal journey and we're such individuals yeah. How do we, as the person looking from the outside in, help you? I have been walking around for weeks since this happened. I went to, to the store. I got you a card. And it's mostly blank inside. I have pulled that card out so many times to write something, and I just feel paralyzed because I... I don't feel like there are any words that I could possibly convey. There's, there's not that right thing to say. Thoughts and prayers to me are, that's a simply, it's, um, it's not for me to judge, but for me, it just feels empty to say that to you. And so what have I done? If I'm reading something that's inspirational and I think of you, I send you that. I guess I'm asking for 
for others who don't have the experience. We're oh, not in your shoes. You. Oh, I'm going to tell you because people, please don't say he's in a better place. Please, please don't say that. I understand. I understand the beliefs that he's gone to be with God and it's a better place. I understand that. For me, who's suffering, missing him, a better place is here with mm. me. Mm. There is no magic thing to say. Mm -hmm. There is no magic word. Mm -hmm. There is no, you know, all you can say is, I'm sorry this is happening to you. Mm. It's really that simple. Because you know what? That's not suggesting I'm fixing it. That's not suggesting I've got this answer. And it's not telling me, oh, you know, buck up. He would want you to, oh, that's the other thing. He would want you to live. You know, Eddie's favorite thing to say was live your life. It was his favorite thing to say. Yeah, I've had people say that to me right now in this moment. Yeah, I know that was Eddie's favorite thing to say, but right now in this moment, I'm trying to get up and live my life. The simplest thing to say is, I'm sorry that's happening to you. Pain is pain. And... And you know, there's no way around it. You have to go through it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, at any given moment, I have no idea when I'm going to start to cry. I, I went to the store. I went to, right after Eddie died, I went to the store that we went to food shopping. We, Eddie and I did everything together. That was wonderful, right? But now, mm. so I went to the store to buy bananas, and we always shared our bananas. I get up to the store, I buy bananas, I start to cry. Because why? Because we always shared bananas. Mm. I'm in the store, and I'm like, okay, go home. Go pay for your bananas and go home. I get in line, and because the cashier has always seen us together, said to me, where's your hubby? Oh. And so these are all innocent things of people course. say. Of they course. don't know. Of course. They don't know. And so, so will I ever be... The same person I was before, I can't imagine. But some, someday, I'll take all of this and I'll do something good with it. This moment is not that moment. This moment I need to just feel. And mostly I just wish people would The value of just being there, not saying anything, just being there. I, I, there are no words. That's all you have to do. There are no words. A hug. Oh my gosh, a hug. A text saying, are you okay? And you know, if people say, I'd like to do something for you, what can I do? I'm here to tell you, I have no clue. Right. I right. have no clue. Right. So people call you or they'll text you or they'll say, oh, what can I do? <sighs> Honey, I have no clue. I, I have no clue. What about if it's a specific request? Leslie, I'd like to bring you some groceries today. Leslie, can I bring you well, some soup? Let and, and so sometimes, it, uh, so I had, um, I'm getting better now. Uh, we're at six weeks. I can eat now. I couldn't even eat. Mm. I couldn't keep anything down. Mm. Um, 
And so people were bringing me food and food and food. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I, I feel so bad because they mean well. But in that moment, I can't eat it. Mm. I can't eat it. And so, and again, let me say this. I'm speaking to me. Somebody else might want all that or need all that. I, you know what I'm saying? There are no words to express how humbled I am that you were willing to share and talk about something we really don't talk about in our society. Yeah. We do shy away from the discussion of end of life. Yes. yes. I, I don't take this lightly yes. at all. I'm very, very grateful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This is my last question for you. Obviously, Life has changed dramatically. So in this moment, what does being healthy mean to you? So it's a struggle. Um, I was always um, a super healthy eater. I always exercised. And even that has become an effort. Uh, even eating has become an effort. So basically you have to be kind to yourself and realize this is what I can do today and accept that that's what you can do. Thank you. In terms of practical tips, I can't say it any better than Leslie just has. Be kind to yourselves and to each other. Thanks for being here. See you next time.